0: Hello and welcome to our podcast named Detours. This podcast embraces the unexpected twists and turns that shapes the journeys of our lives that God sends us down. I'm your host and fellow traveler, Mike. I'm here with my beautiful wife, Deb. And we invite you to join us on this exploration of uncharted territories we encounter along the way. So without further ado, let's dive into this episode. Tours family, welcome to season number three, episode number two. How are you guys doing? I am here with my beautiful wife, Deb.
1: Hi, guys.
0: And we are here. We're raring to go. We've got a great episode ahead of us. We hope you enjoyed the first episode, which was uh, an introduction to the woman at the well and John, the book of John, the Gospel of John. And we are following that up today with, believe it or not, it's one of my favorite characters and one of my favorite stories, Uh, a lot of emotions going on in this one uh, that are are very relatable today, and that is the very first woman at the well, uh, which is Genesis chapter 16. Yes. Yes. Yes, indeed. I didn't
1: know it was one of your favorite stories. It is. It,
0: it, it is because I think when you break the characters down, it is so relatable. Uh, the, the, you know, th- this book was written about 3,500 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, p- people that, that want to discredit the Bible or, or just kind of say it's it's old news or things from the past, you know. Uh, it's not
1: relevant.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, you know, something from the, the distant past that's no longer used today. This is one of those stories to me where I just kind of go to you. Do you, have you ever read this story? Like, right. I, I, I can relate. There's three characters in the story and I can relate to all three of them and how they react. It, it's really quite fascinating to me.
1: It is. and You know what I love mostly about the Bible? Because uh, I love so many things that it doesn't skate over the messy stories. It doesn't skate over the human Uh, mistakes. And you think, wow, if anyone was going to make up a story, they would definitely not include all this mess. And yet they do. So it's, it really is a testament to the authenticity that this is not just a bunch of people putting stories together. This is real life and people have real emotions.
0: Yeah. And and speaking of emotions, that's, that's what really makes this story I think so relatable for me, it, it, it really is relatable because you have three characters. Abraham is one of the, the, the most well-known characters, especially in the old Testament. Um, yeah, you know, other religions acknowledge Abraham and who he was, uh, some of it, they get right. Some of it, they get wrong, but all of them, uh, the three major religions anyway, have him as one of the cornerstones. Uh, and, and yet it's still so relatable, the story that we read. Um, so I guess we should probably just dive in directly into the text. How do you want to kick this off?
1: I think that's a good idea. I would say that gives anyone that may not know the full story uh, context in which we're going to talk about.
0: Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna read through Genesis chapter 16. Um, I guess the, the, kind of the context of the story, uh abraham's about 85 years old Mm -hmm. Uh, his wife uh, you'll see it in the text is sarai but she gets renamed as sarah later so we're going to refer to her as sarah Uh, she's 75 during this time and god has made abraham a promise Mm. that he's going to have a son and it's been 10 years since that promise so uh, he received that promise at 75 years old as a middle-aged man and uh
1: well people need to know they lived a really (laughs) long time so that is middle age for them he
0: lived to 175 he got remarried at 145 can you imagine that no dad is what's dad 92 yes
1: i can't imagine imagine. they were probably much stronger than we are you know they they had different lives so i'm imagining at his age he had some you know some oomph but yeah yeah
0: nonetheless nonetheless uh yeah, he, he he's an older guy and uh, gonna get a lot older. Uh-huh. But God makes him a promise about having a son and how he's gonna multiply uh, the, the you know his family and so on and so forth. But it's been ten years since that promise was made.
1: I think we should just pause on at that ten years. Yeah, that's a long time.
0: Yeah, and you know it it also depends on the promise too. You know that sometimes uh, you know. If you're sitting there praying for a spouse, you don't want to hear about 10 years.
1: That's a long time. <laughs>
0: if, you're, if you're waiting for a significant other and, and you're sitting there and you're, uh, your Marissa Tomei moment comes in and you're going... My, my
1: biological clock is ticking.
0: Yes. And you're having that Marissa Tomei moment. 10 years seems like a long time, but there are other promises that, you know, you look at it and go, well, wow, that, that's a big promise. Yeah, I, I can see how that can right. take 10 years. And actually, I think it was one of my favorite authors... I think I may be crediting the wrong person, but I think it was Mark Batterson who frequently says we overestimate what God can do in a year and we underestimate what he can do in 10 years. Uh And it's so true. I, I look at where I was in my life 10 years ago. You were nowhere in the picture. I was living a single life on a beach in a condo in Fort Lauderdale. And fast forward 10 years, I'm Happily married, living up at Cape Canaveral. We have a beautiful house. I never would have put that together. <laughs> never. Um, so, yeah, a lot can happen in 10 years. And and so that's where we're going to pick up in Genesis chapter 16, verse 1. Uh, and it starts by, and I'm reading from the New International Version for this. A lot of my studies I do King James, but uh, NIV reads a little easier. So uh, we're going to read from the NIV. And It says, Now Sarai, again, that'll later be Sarah. Now Sarah, Abrams, and Abram will turn into Abraham. So we're going to use Sarah and Abraham. Now Sarah and Abraham uh, had born, uh, excuse me, let me start that over. Sarah, (laughs) Abraham's wife, had born no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Those are the first two verses. I
1: think we can stop by at every couple of verses and talk about them.
0: (laughs) Definitely, definitely. Okay, so where do we even begin on this one?
1: The relationship, the marriage itself. I mean, can you imagine me saying, go sleep with another woman?
0: Well, what's fascinating, in ancient Israel... If a woman was barren, if you, if your wife right. was barren, it was completely legal for you to go to her slaves and have children with them mm-hmm. because it was all about you... Having descendants. Having descendants. Yeah. So what what's so fascinating is even though this is by law legal... Yeah, it doesn't necessarily make this a good idea.
1: Well, there's lots of things that are legal that are not a good idea, <laughs> and, and and
0: that's what I was what I want to get at is yeah. is just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right, right. I, we I, I'll, I'll take that comment into work all of the time. I work in the digital world, and people will come into my office saying, "Can we do this?" and and my answer is all almost always, "Yes, we can do it." But let's start asking the question, should Should we we do this? Just because we can doesn't mean we should. Um, And just because the law allows this doesn't mean Abraham and Sarah should be walking down this path.
1: Right. I think we should also put in cultural context how immensely, immensely important it was from a woman's perspective to bear children. And if she wasn't a mom... It was as if she didn't do her duty as a woman. Like her whole identity was wrapped around bearing children, being a mother, being a wife. And I don't know that in our day and age we can really relate to the pressure it was to be barren. I mean, you'll see people today who are barren and it's so heartbreaking. But this also had the heartbreak attached with shame. Like, people look down on you. Like, what's wrong with you? You must be some sort of person cursed by God because you can't have a baby. And that must have been incredibly difficult for Sarah.
0: What's so fascinating is within two sentences, she goes from being completely right to completely wrong. Yes. The, The very first sentence, which is basically the start of verse number two, the Lord has kept me... From having children. And that's true. That's a hundred percent correct. And this promise that she received along with Abraham was that y- you're gonna have uh, you're gonna have more kids than there are stars in the sky. She's sitting there going, logically, this makes no sense. Right. So she follows it up with the statement: go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. So all of a sudden, Sarah becomes God's little helper.
1: Mm, Yep, not a good idea. God
0: with this promise. If if God promises you something, you don't have to help Him. He can do that on His own. And and Sarah's trying to control something that she 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 was God was asking her for faith. Yeah. He was asking her for two things, faith and patience.
1: Both very difficult at times. You know, how many times do I catch myself being impatient with people or things that I know are supposed to happen and aren't happening in a timely manner? So patience is really hard.
0: Yeah, faith faith believes the promise Mm -hmm. of God that you believe it's going to come true, and patience really is that attitude of waiting expectantly. But when you're asked, when you're given a promise that's a marathon, mm. there are those weak moments.
1: They don't know they're in a marathon. That's what makes it so hard. That,
0: that's, and, and the only thing I can relate this to is from season one, when, when you left me and God said, Mike, that's going to be your wife, he didn't tell me how long it was going to be before we were going to get back together. Um, I I certainly knew it wasn't going to be quickly. Right. But I didn't know, God, is this something that's going to happen two years from now, 10 years from now? I I don't get it. I I don't know what's going on. And, and, you know, towards the end, you know, a year and a half in on the waiting, you better believe I asked the question, God, did I hear you right? Right. Or did I hear what I want to hear?
1: Yeah. Yeah
0: you know there there were a lot of doubts that were creeping in uh even for we we speak so highly of bill and he is amazing bill is our mentor at, at calvary chapel and even he said that he he got to that point of doubting where he was about <laughs> ready to come to me and say mike i think you need to move on um
1: wow thank god he didn't say that you might have yes, moved on
0: l- luckily <laughs> he didn't say that but you know, that was a promise that God made to me. Uh, and I only had to wait, a whatever it was, 19, 19 months before we started talking again, uh, where this is 10 years and it begins at 75 years old. Wow. So.
1: And I think the longer the wait time, God was trying to show, like, I can bring. Out of something that's dead, a womb being dead, a reproductive system being dead, I can bring life. It's it's a picture of resurrection. It's a picture of God can take something totally dead and bring it to new life. When, so it had to be a long promise.
0: Yeah. Well, even I think it's verse number three when you read it in the original text in Hebrew. That's what it is. God is they literally use language of death. God was literally waiting for Abraham and Sarah. From a reproductive standpoint, he was waiting for them to be completely dead, wow. so that that way, mm-hmm. when it happened, everyone knew this is God. There, there's no other explanation. Wow. Um, and and even Hebrews chapter six verse twelve, if you're sitting there waiting for the promises of God, Hebrews six twelve says it's only available through faith and patience. So, through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. So, this that what, what you're reading now in, in Genesis chapter 16 that's that's what it is. It's a promise of God, and he's really exercising faith and patience on these two. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's, let's go, re- let's keep going. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, So getting a running start, we read, go, sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. We'll circle back to that. (laughs) So after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Let's stop there. Oh, boy. Yeah. There's a lot going on here in just these few little verses. So, Abraham agreeing to Sarah's idea. Oh, boy.
1: Oh, boy is right. Okay. (sighs) Man, so let's. I could just see your face. <sighs> I wish they could see your face. Let,
0: let's unpack this, right? So, so obviously you and I always, we're, we study what we're going to talk on ahead of time yeah. and so on and so forth. The interesting thing that I always find is studying passages like this, where women are front and center in the story, most Bible commentaries are written by men, the yep. vast majority.
1: That is true.
0: Men are extremely cerebral. Mm -hmm. Everything is logical, right? You you and I joke when when we're making a a decision in the house, you're going to choose fashion. I'm going to (laughs) choose function. That's true. Fashion doesn't make sense to me. Function sometimes makes sense to you. But not
1: at the expense of fashion. (laughs) No,
0: you you lead with fashion. That's why you decorate our house and I'm... I keep my jewels in the garage, right? Yeah, okay. (laughs) So in reading commentary on this, because they're all written by men, you get very logical answers. You get very logical responses of, you know, it's always around patience and so on and so forth. Right. The bottom line here is this is Sarah's response is code right uh, okay
1: well probably
0: no I I, I, as the man I'm telling you okay I've seen this where this is code you know and
1: yes okay I get it
0: yeah so so if I come to you and I go maybe you and I had plans we were we were gonna go I don't know we're gonna go to Ikea and get some furniture and I come to you and I go hey babe Anthony called and he wants to watch the football game today. Is it okay if I go watch the football game with Anthony?
1: If I say fine, that's bad news.
0: It's code (laughs) for my mouth says yes. Yeah. But the answer is you better not go.
1: You better know better to know what I want as your wife. And that's probably what she's hoping for is Abraham's going to know better. Reassure her of God's promises.
0: Well, and that's just it. So, so this is absolutely a woman speaking in code. So, something that is thirty five hundred years old—that's is still true today. How many times do you, as as women, speak in code, especially to your husbands? And and this is where pursuing a woman is so critical. Because if you stop trying to crack the code, mm. you hurt women I would hurt you if you go sure go watch the game and I run off with Anthony and don't even think I'm going to hurt you but it's because I gave up and and this is a very simple example that it I'm is, throwing but... out there uh, but that that's part of a woman going I'm changing the code I, you know if I had the same code for everything this relationship would be boring um, so yeah you, you have to constantly constantly pursue
1: I love that you know this. I'm going to well, remind you of this.
0: That's it. I, I need <laughs> reminders constantly. I know this because I studied and I had all the time in the world to prepare for this.
1: Yes, you had time to meditate. Mm-hmm. When
0: Anthony calls and I look over at you and I got Anthony on the phone asking me to get pick up chicken wings on the way over to his house to watch a game, it, it may not register in my brain. I, I, I It may, it may Should not.
1: Should I say, are uh, you going to get the code? Or would that just, you yeah. know give you too much leeway to so let's
0: circle back to that because I think there's an answer and you're the perfect woman to circle back with because it's something that you're really good at. Let, let let's let's come back to that. Okay. Um so as a, as a man help help me understand that we're using very blatant, you know, clear examples. Yes. As a man how what advice would you give me as to clearly sarah is hurting here clearly she is screaming out and this comment of go sleep with hagar is a huge red flag yeah unfortunately abraham misses that but as a woman how how can i know
1: well as a man you would know not as a woman <laughs>
0: Yeah, or excuse, yeah. as a man, how would I know when you're talking in code and when you're hurting? What, is, what are some of the things that, that women that you guys will do? Is there anything that's consistent that you do? I
1: don't think that women across the board are consistent because we're all unique and different. But I can say as your wife, knowing the the heart of your wife, knowing me and knowing what I'm facing... Um, either in a day-to-day basis or in my life in a season, um, would be something that would indicate, does this fit the season? So in this, let's put ourselves in this story. She had to, it couldn't have been the first time she said to Abram, when, when is God going to make me a mom? When? Like the cultural expectation for her, I'm sure she vocalized, probably over and over again to Abraham. Like, I am hurting. Is God going to make me a mom? I'm doubting. I'm sure in 10 years, she had to open her mouth and express the pain she was in waiting for God. So Abraham assessing the situation could have been like, okay, She's mentioned how much this hurts her. She's mentioned how much she's doubting. This would have been his opportunity to take what he knows about his wife and really create an inventory of what's happened over the course of this season, which for them is 10 years, and see if this is going to benefit him and his wife. Like he had an opportunity to really step up as a leader and say, babe, I know it hurts. I mean, I'm not a woman and I don't have the same pressures you have, but I know you feel like you're all alone in this, but I'm with you on this. And this is our struggle, not just yours. And God is with us. And maybe just um, taking that opportunity to uplift her. Acknowledge that she's hurting and uplift her and give her a pep talk. And
0: reminder of the God that she serves. Amen. Reminder who he is. Amen. You know, that, that that's so critical. So yeah, Abraham, he missed. But, you know, going back to what you just said, that's easier said than done sometimes. I am the most guilty. Men and women's brains work so differently. That is you true. You describe it as my brain is only is a computer and I am only capable of having one window open at any time.
1: Very true.
0: Give me one task and don't add more tasks to that (laughs) list. Don't create a list for me until I finish that task. If you start creating this massive list for me, I just get overwhelmed. Whereas if okay, today I'm working out on the porch Uh, and and that's my task for today. And, And just leave me alone. Don't let me know that there's 25 other tasks that have to follow up. Just let me handle that one task. That's how my brain works. Again, I don't know if this is a blanket statement for men, but I definitely only have one window or one tab open. Yes. Where a woman's brain.
1: Multiple, multiple tabs opened. And let me all tell you. All running
0: at the same time. They are. And you never close them. You,
1: unless the tab gets resolved, unless the issue is resolved, the window doesn't close. So it's always running. That script is running in the back of your brain at all times. And it's it's hard having a woman brain because you are constantly juggling all these different tasks, ideas, feelings, emotions, all at the same time. And if it doesn't get solved, it's still in the back of my brain.
0: You know how I know that you're telling the truth is I remember us right when we got married debating. This is critically important to any new married couple. We were debating whether the toilet paper unrolls to the front side or to the back side. And I thought we had ended the discussion. And like a year later you were upset that I was putting the toilet paper on the wrong way. And I had totally forgotten about it. And that window was still open for you. And it was still important. Where for me, I'm just... It, it was like a puma just was in the uh, in, in the weeds. And you just jumped out. I'm like, oh
1: my gosh, she... She still had that window open, right? And men think it's kind of like you're you're holding on, but like I don't want to hold on. I would love to have an empty box. Men have a box; they just go to and it's empty. What are you thinking it's glorious. about? Glorious! It is nothing. so
0: glorious. Oh my gosh, the nothing box is amazing. But clearly, Sarah has a yep. tremendous number of windows open. Those windows include insecurity. Sure. They, I mean, they, identity, so many worthy sphere. Fear. fear, so many different windows are open. And what's amazing is yes, Abraham, he hasn't, he's lacking situational awareness here. He oh, has the good. opportunity to close some of those windows for her, or at least minimize some of those windows. And, and he doesn't, right? you know, and, and, and that's where as men, we, we have to, it's hard when when you're when i'm only capable of having one window open if that window right now is work and i'm doing something on work to have the situational awareness that over in the corner of the room you're sitting there struggling with something because you had a bad day at work believe it or not and this isn't an excuse but just understand that it is difficult for me i may not have that situational awareness and that's where abraham missed the mark he didn't have that situational awareness So that's why I say, again, I can relate to these characters. Yeah. Totally relatable. And verse four, he sleeps with Hagar and she has a kid. And when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to despise, or excuse me, when when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Yep. Yep. So now we're at this dynamic between Hagar and Sarah. Yep. Now, what I said earlier, you're the perfect character. Hmm. It's because verse four, there's no speaking, which means there's a look. And you you (laughs) have the saying, I got to manage my face. I do say that a lot. You speak a lot. You speak volumes. Without saying a word. You express so much. You're Italian. Every time you guys in the audience, every hear, time you think you hear a bang or this, that, and the other, it's because my wife is talking with her hands behind <laughs> a microphone. And she just whacked the table or something. But but your face, you have so many different faces. I can just watch you.
1: You haven't learned all of them yet either. No.
0: It, it's an infinite number of faces. <laughs> but I can, I, I certainly know when I do something... Like if I come home and I bought the wrong breadcrumbs, I didn't get panko. And I got, you know, the cutlets aren't the same because I got Mm. the wrong breadcrumbs. You don't even have to say anything. You just lift up the breadcrumbs and you give me a look.
1: That's, you're you're too much. It's It's, probably because I told you four times what kind of breadcrumbs we needed really yes
0: we're gonna go there
1: let's not let's let's keep it light let's
0: keep it light yeah but it's it's the there is there's absolutely a look is that that, that's probably more true with women than it is for men no
1: i I know some very expressive men that happen to be very you know very much wear it on their face i i think the dynamic between them is Like she may have said, and I don't want to speak for Hagar because that's probably not appropriate, but if I were in this situation, I would think that Hagar might say something to the effect of, well, I guess it wasn't Abraham that couldn't, you know, produce.
0: Well, she may not have said it, but she definitely thought it. How can you not? Right. As her, how can you not? Clearly, he goes and sleeps with Hagar. She gets pregnant abraham's not the issue even at 85 yeah abraham's not the issue
1: and i would think there was instant instant envy
0: and and just uh, how do you think like i i wouldn't think that i would be feeling so small yeah and so fragile yeah at that moment that just any comment this is the moment where just the wrong comment she could explode right. because of the emotions that are just building up. Now more and more windows are being opened and your computer literally will crash at some point when you right. have so many windows open. It just freezes and your computer will crash. And she's nearing, if she's not at that point, she's very close.
1: Right. It's It's a mark on her identity once again. Here it is like it is me. I'm the one that can't bear children. I'm the one where my womb is closed, as they often said at this time in history. And I I think about how, how much we hold on to our identities, even in today's culture, it, it means something to us. And so she put her identity in the wrong thing. Um, being a mom isn't your identity. Being a child of God is her identity. And she felt probably really like, what did I do? Oh my God, I let my husband sleep with this woman. You know, there had to be instant regret and jealousy, envy even, you know, because jealousy and envy are a little bit different from one another. And I just, my heart hurts even just thinking about, you know, what they're going through.
0: Let's get a little bit further along in the text so we have more pictures of these three characters. And then, yeah, let's, let's come back and start to look at some of the attributes of these characters like and how that. they handle this pressure. Um, so picking up in verse 5, it says, uh, Sarah said to Abraham, You are responsible for the wrong. I am suffering. We're going to circle back to that. Hmm. Uh, I put my slave in your arms. And now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me may the lord judge between you and me abraham says your slave is in your hands do with her whatever you think is best Hmm. and then sarah mistreats hagar and so she runs a lot going on there yes a lot going on there the very first thing is back in verse five Sarah is saying to Abraham, you are responsible for the wrong that I am suffering. Um, I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. So this is one of those things that is, again.
1: This happens still today, 3,500 years ago. Yeah. You know, blaming. Oh, yeah and in one respect sarah is not completely wrong he is the spiritual head of her household and she probably wanted him to say no we shouldn't do this but she's desperate i'm not saying that you know it's not they both play a a part in the wrong of course but you know what can i say like he slept with this other woman
0: it it, it it's interesting because, so let, let's do the case study on the characters. What do we know about Sarah? This is a, 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 a tr- there's a tremendous amount of pressure. Think, think about our own families today. 3,500 years after this was written. Right. 3,500 years later, you have a, a big Italian family. Bunch of crazy personalities in one room around one table. And insert a, a very high pressure situation like what these three are facing right now sarah is a very interesting character because of what you said she blame shifts when the when the pressure is on right. she shifts the blame over to abraham right how many times do we do that we're in a high pressure pressure situation and someone asks, well why didn't you step up and you immediately blame shift
1: yeah, that happens. I mean, it happened in the garden.
0: A hundred percent.
1: Yeah, we still woman do this. The you gave me. Right. The, you know. The serpent, uh, you know, beguiled me.
0: Yeah. It, it, blame shifting. And this this is why I love this story so much. We haven't even gotten to the detour yet. We're just explaining the mess that leads to the detour. That's true. You know, the, the, why I love this. I, I can relate to Sarah. I I blame shift all the time. I, you know, working in the technology world where well, I can blame technology and I'm not even hurting a person, hmm. y- you know, blame shifting when tremendous pressure is on is. That's all politicians do these days.
1: That's true.
0: Who's responsible for the debt in the United States? Well, when the Republicans are in power, it's the Democrats. And when the Democrats are in power, it's the Republicans. It's always the other someone else's fault.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's Sarah in this story. Abraham, yep. look at him. He, he sits there and says, you told me to do this.
1: Do whatever you want with her.
0: Yeah, and, and so again, he puts the leadership role on his wife. Right. He should be the one stepping up to deal with it. And he doesn't. Once again, instead of spiritually leading his wife and going, no, we're going to stand on the promises of God. We're going to have faith that he's going to deliver when it doesn't make sense. He missed that opportunity, and then to Hagar, he doesn't step up and be the spiritual leader there when it's his unborn child that's involved. He once again pushes that off and doesn't take that spiritual leader. So he take when the pressure is on, the father of faith right. takes a back seat to being a spiritual leader in his household. This is his wife and his unborn child that are involved here, along with the mother of his child. And his, his leadership is nowhere to be found.
1: That's a very valid point in this story. It's not. And think about the, um, the fact that Hagar decides to flee. How bad does it have to be? Like, what did Sarah say or do? Because we we have no idea if if it got physical. We have no idea. I'm not saying that Sarah did that. But how bad does it have to be as a pregnant woman, a woman of all things, to be unwed in that, that situation? Well, technically, she's Abraham's, you know, secondary wife or whatever. But you're right. I just hit something with my hands that are moving. But to... To be out in the wilderness, pregnant and alone, was so dangerous. It had to be so bad.
0: When, and, and then that's that's her character study. So when the pressure's on... She flees. She flees. And that's something, you know, all cards on the table, I, I see you do sometimes. I do. When, there are times when we have colorful fellowship
1: oh that's funny that
0: you you do have a tendency to go into the bedroom maybe and isolate and be away from me where I have to come to you and I have to be very tender and just re- reinforce the fact hey hey babe I know you have the wrong idea of how toilet paper goes but I still love you <laughs> you're too much <laughs> I still love you but but that I do
1: is I do have a tendency to um withdrawal yeah, yeah. And you know it's a very common trait and not a not a correct one, but yeah, a lot of people will will do the flee or the run when things get tough.
0: And and she does it again in a later later chapter. You know, yeah, we're not going to get to it, but that's definitely her pattern. Mm-hmm. But but again, how relatable is that? When how many people avoid a difficult discussion, avoid a, a confrontation? and rather than take it on head first they run from it yep it happens all the time so don't don't tell me that the bible is is isn't outdated. relevant it's not relevant we have someone you know that that isn't spiritually leading a household and, and and that's what's so sad about today is is whenever there's a prayer meeting at the church the women always outnumber the men <sighs> When there's, there are conferences, like the men's conference versus the women's conference, the attendance numbers for the women's conference are always higher than the men. And so if the men are not going to church and the men are not showing up to pray, how are they spiritually leading their home? So something that was true 3,500 years ago is still true today. Wow. And for Sarah, she was insecure. Yeah she was kind of she was testing her husband and how how relevant how true is that today now in, in the defense of abraham there are times where ladies you you'll come to us men with emotional um, emotional questions, emotional depth that there are times where I can't go that deep. I literally don't know how. And And I think part of that is God reserves that area of your life for himself. Mm. And I think part of where Sarah messed up, and this is probably tricky for you guys to have situational awareness, is is this a problem that I'm having that I should be taking to my husband? Or is this a problem that I should be taking to the Lord? Because if it's something that's designed for you to take to the Lord, you can come to me as many times as you want and the well is going to be dry. And you could get frustrated and you could take that out on me. Not, I'm not saying this as a cop-out, but th- there is some validity there. Absolutely.
1: I do think there's validity to that. And I do think God reserves things that he he wants intimacy with us yes. and there are things that you are never going to be able to give me that only the god of the universe can give me and i think you made a very valid point and i feel a little convicted at times because i think we've had it was last year we had an incident and you pretty much said like you need to go to the lord for that and um you're
0: gonna call it an incident
1: well, we don't have to call it an incident.
0: Colorful Fellowship.
1: Okay, that sounds so much nicer. An it incident.
0: Was, uh, oh, my gosh. Oh, Get out of here.
1: but you were right. I needed to take it to Jesus. Yeah,
0: there, there are things that I, there are things, I... I love fixing things. I, I literally just came home today with three new tools because I have to build something outside. You did? Oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> we should have talked to you. I should have prepped you for that one. But... I love fixing things. And that, that makes it so difficult too, is as a man, I, I love to fix things. So if you come to me broken, I can get frustrated if I'm trying to quote unquote, fix you when really I should be sending you to Jesus. I got no business fixing that. I don't have the right tools. It was never meant to have those tools. That's an intimate area of your life that was intended for Jesus. You know, so I can even not read the scenario and and not send you to the, to your creator, to to for that to be fixed yeah. and addressed, um, so that can be very frustrating if I don't have that situational awareness. Hmm. But um, let's let's keep looking a few more verses in. So at the end of verse number six, we just see that Sarah mistreats Hagar, whatever that means. Whether it was, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was verbal. Whether or not it reached physical or anything we else, know. we don't know. Uh, but she mistreats uh, mistreats Hagar, and she flees from her. Verse 7, very interesting. And and take note, verse 7, the angel of the Lord. Verse 9, the angel of the Lord. Verse Mm. 10, the angel. Verse 11, the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord, Lord, angel. It is all throughout the next X number of verses. Uh, Probably six, eight verses. Starting with verse 7. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. Here we finally get our detour. Yep. Uh, Hagar is, as you said, she fled. She runs. She's out in the desert and pregnant, near, alone, pregnant, alone near a spring. Uh, and it was a spring that is beside the road to Shur, that is near Egypt
1: hmm She's headed back to where she knows.
0: Again, when when things are difficult, what do we do? We typically go to what we know. Right. And he said, verse number 8, Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? Mm. So much just between verses 7, seven and 8. Yep. So the angel of the Lord is fascinating the very first time in the bible anytime something you hear something for the first time in the bible is significant yeah the power
1: of the first mention
0: yeah um yeah so this is the very first time that we hear the term angel of the lord Uh, angel of the lord is to give you the speedy answer is um it's always a what's known as a christophany Mm -hmm. it's a sighting of jesus christ in the old testament this is the very first time that we have this. There's a little bit of debate out there. Um, with
1: Melchizedek being the first, you know, Christophany, but...
0: But the, angel, the term angel of the Lord is not used with Melchizedek. That's right. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I believe this to be the first, but there, there is a little bit of debate out there, uh, and that's for another day. But this is a sighting. So Hagar mm. flees in the middle of the desert, pregnant, sitting next to a spring and she encounters the Jesus. living god <laughs> she encounters the yeah the living god so and
1: i love that there is questions being asked redemptive questions just like in the garden you know where are you adam who told you you were naked like these were opportunities for redemptive questions redeeming the relationship going intimate with the Lord well, because he, he knows where she is and yeah. he knows why she's run. It's not for his sake to know it's yep. for her sake to know.
0: And he, he asks two just wonderful questions. So he asks basically your past and your future.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Where are you coming from?
1: And and, where do you want to go?
0: And Well, and where, where are you coming from? God's reminding her who she is. He pauses there. That question is, is God sitting there going, remember who you are. There's beauty in who you are. You're, you know, let's take your race for example. The color of your skin is a gift from God. It is where you came from. It is your heritage.
1: Your gender is a gift from God.
0: So so many things about you were fearfully and wonderfully made. So whatever that is, curly hair, straight hair, blonde hair, color of your skin, all of those things were fearfully and wonderfully made. And I love that in a moment of pure fear and she's fleeing, She takes this detour. She's running off in the middle of nowhere. And and what's beautiful is the text reads, he found her.
1: Yes, that's beautiful because he sought her out, just like he seeks us out. The outcast, the, the one that's hurting, the brokenhearted, the fearful, the one that feels like, how did I get into this situation? I didn't ask to be here. Like the one that's running for her life. We're, we're always the one that he seeks out.
0: And, and let's remember her situation, right? Let, let's go through the situation. Let's go through all these attributes. She's a victim. She is. She's been abused. hmm By her slave owner, by Sarah, by Abraham. She's been abused. She's a runner. Yeah. She ran from the situation.
1: She's a foreigner in a in in her land she you know this isn't her yeah. culture. this isn't her place.
0: she's completely desperate. Yep. she's alone in in a desert pregnant
1: as a woman I keep as saying a, a,
0: an alone woman you don't you don't walk down a path alone as a woman, let alone run off into the desert nine months pregnant right. She's desperate. No,
1: nope, no provisions in hand that we we can see from the text.
0: Let's remember that the pregnancy that she's in is outside of marriage. Yeah, it's not even that she's bearing a child with you know from her husband. She's not. She's a non-believer. Yeah. She she if she came from Egypt, they believed in many gods. Right. Polytheists. Right. She, she wasn't even in the ballpark of who God was and, and her belief. So she was a Gentile, completely. And yet, God finds her.
1: Mm-hmm. Seeks her out, like the 99. He, he, uh, he leaves, leaves the, the 99, 99 to find the one.
0: And that one was brokenhearted and contrite.
1: Yep. And he will never despise that, the Bible says.
0: And broken hearted, when, when something breaks, my laptop or our recording equipment, if it breaks, it has no value.
1: None. That's not how God sees brokenness.
0: He sees the opposite. I know. He waits until she's broken. Right. And all of the sudden... He he finds her at this spring. She has to be bawling her eyes out. So emotionally vulnerable. We talked earlier about Sarah's open windows. What are the open windows that, yeah. that Hagar has? Right. And he sits there and in a conversation with her begins to close those windows.
1: Praise the Lord.
0: How many times do we need that in our lives?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, we are we are her. We are all lost and gone astray, and God seeks us out. We're all broken spiritually before Christ, and he finds us, and he fills us up with his love. He takes all the cracks and the broken pieces, and he binds up our wounds, Psalm uh, 147 says. 147.3 like wow that's what he's doing here he does that for each and every one of us
0: and and what's interesting going back to i believe it's the very beginning of verse number 70 you know the name the angel of the lord mm-hmm. angel translates to the word messenger so jesus is the messenger of the lord and he's the lord mm-hmm. it, it, it's fascinating He's the messenger of the Lord. Well, and what message from the Lord is he delivering to Hagar right now to redeem and restore her? What is he saying to her? If she's on the ground in tears, emotionally probably the most vulnerable I can imagine. Right. Desperate. The tenderness. And he, he doesn't even just quote-unquote find her. He knows her name. hmm He calls her by name.
1: That is true.
0: He knew her career. He knew that she was a servant of Sarah. Yep. He knew all of these intimate things about her. When she feels unseen, unwanted. Unheard. unanything, Right. God sits there and says to you, no, I, I know your name. I know what you do for work. And he reminds her she is he asks her this question of where are you coming from and then he follows it up with the question where are you going yeah and what's fascinating is in hebrew it doesn't read where are you going
1: it's where do you want to go
0: where do you want to go
1: he puts her will into it he he gives her a choice he i mean that's the beauty you know
0: if you were going to ask me where do you want to go I would tell you, I want to go to Beverly Hills in a really nice car. And I want to have a Corvette. millions of, Oh yeah. <laughs> one of the new Corvettes blue. And I want to live in a mansion and I want a bank account that never, ever ends. That's what my flesh would tell you. If you asked me the question, Michael, what do you want?
1: Hmm.
0: But that's, Not the healthy answer.
1: Right.
0: And I think God kind of asks that question, where do you want to go? And it's probably asked in such a way that she doesn't give the dumb Michael Snyder answer of, I want to move into a mansion in Beverly Hills and have an infinite bank account. It makes her stop. We're using the computer metaphor right now, so there's probably a spinning wheel on the screen right now. Yes. While she processes the depth of that question, where do you want to go?
1: Where do you want to be? It's so tender to me. It's the pursuit of the Lord to the, again, to the broken, to the outcast. I am so amazed by who he is. And in all of his might and power and majesty, that he would take the time to have a personal, intimate conversation with a sad broken woman. I mean, this is the God I serve. I, I am I love him. <laughs> in
0: in in it's it's the detours that we don't want to take. We we yeah. never want to take detours. Looking back at last season, do you think my family wanted to go down the path that God was asking our family to go down when Stuart was sick and when he died? We never want to go on detours. Do you think for a second that Hagar wants to be thrown out in the middle of a desert? Not thrown out, but run off in the middle right. of a desert. Do you think she wanted that detour? Absolutely not. We never want the detours. But then all of a sudden God will show up and he'll ask you questions
1: mm-hmm.
0: to get you to think. If if you can humble yourselves, and and what's amazing is Hagar does because God's instructions to her, let me see, where is the verse? Um, fast forwarding. Return to your mistress yes. and submit under her what, hand. What verse are you in? Uh, where I uh, nine. Verse nine, yeah. Angel of the Lord says you her, go back to your mistress, so go back to Sarah. Right. And submit to her. So he's asking her to do something very, very difficult.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That woman that just threw you out, go back and ask for forgiveness for the looks <laughs> that you were giving for, for all of that stuff. Go and humble yourself. And what does she do?
1: She obeys. She does it. Yeah. She, she's forever changed from this moment. I don't doubt we'll see her in heaven. Like oh. I, She's a believer at this point. In my mind, you know, she has this personal encounter with the living God, and has the opportunity to be seen by him, and and that is literally what she'll name the well later, down in verse thirteen. So and fourteen.
0: Yeah. So let's let's kind of fast forward to that because so far, uh, through the first eleven verses or so, it's referred to as a spring, mm-hmm. but what is it? Is it verse? Verse 14 we learn that is why the well was called Beer Laha Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. Yep, what a fascinating name for a well.
1: It's the God who sees me.
0: That's what that translates to is the well of the God who sees me and you you have to believe that Hagar, encountered the God who saw her.
1: It makes me want to cry.
0: He called her by name. Yep. Asked her questions. Reminded her of who she was. And then asked her to do something very bold, which was go and humble herself. And when she does, he blesses her.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: He absolutely blessed her.
1: Yep. He he tell well we skipped over ishmael you know he tells her that she's going to have a, a you know a baby in her belly and describes this man that he'll become and i want you to name him ishmael i mean ishmael's the first baby named in the bible
0: first unborn unborn baby yes unborn baby it, it, That's ishmael's true. the first and isaac's the second so again you go back to the first time something happens it's really really c- critically important yes isaac and ishmael You fast forward at least 3,500 years and you look over in the Middle East. Right. And the situation that's over there and the hatred and just the mess that's over there. Mm -hmm. God's completely in control. How do I know that? He named the babies before they were born. Right. He knew what was going to be happening 3,500 plus years later.
1: Yeah, you know it's the beginning from the end. He it is the author no and finisher of our faith, and she is the first. I mean, she's the only one—not even the first—the only one to name God in the Bible, which I find completely fascinating. She gives Bob, you know, God a name,
0: and she's she's here so broken, and and. Exodus talks about how you, you you can't see God. I think it's chapter 33. Let me look here. Chapter. Yeah, Exodus 33, 20 basically says you can't look upon God and live. Yet Hagar does. What, what happens here? And, and it's because Exodus is talking about God the Father,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and she's witnessing Jesus, and she's sitting there having a conversation with Jesus, the son. Yeah. And she survives, not just survives, but... Thrives. He Builds her. Yeah. He has totally rebuilt her by the end of this encounter. And And so to kind of wrap things up today, if you're sitting there saying, I am so broken, mm-hmm. there is no way... God wants anything to do with me. My comment to you is you might be a little bit Hagar here. Yeah. Where you're fleeing, where you're running. If you think God doesn't want you, the contrite spirit and the broken heart is exactly where God wants you. And that is a completely acceptable gift. And God will mm-hmm. take that and he will redeem it and he will restore It's such a beautiful story. It's over 3500 3, years old and it's such interesting. a beautiful story.
1: You I'm going to going to ask you to unpack that. You called a broken and contrite heart a gift. And I, it is. I'd love for you to unpack that.
0: You're humble at that point and, mm-hmm. and the walls that you've thrown up are broken. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden God can enter in and he can begin the rebuilding process, right? The, The first time we were dating, the rebuilding that God was doing with you wasn't finished yet. It was too early. It was. And so God broke us and broke us apart so that he could be alone with you. And in the end, there was no... Pointing anywhere else except to God for the glory of the story between you and I. And it's the same thing that he's doing here. He waits, you know, in Calvary Fort Lauderdale, we have a ministry that we simply call Calvary House. And it's where people that are addicted to drugs and alcohol and all sorts of things, when they run out of options, you know, they've tried rehab, they've tried this, they've tried that, and they are completely broken. Calvary House is there for them and it's a residential program you don't pay anything for it. But it's, it's it's military in the sense of every minute of every day is it's already planned for. for you. You're going to go to the church and you're going to do groundwork or you're going to go wash dishes in the kitchen and then you're going to come home and you're going to shower and then it's Bible study and then it's, this, and then it's this and then it's this and then it's bedtime and tomorrow you get up and it, it
1: do it all over again. Doing
0: it all over again. And you're in that program for a year. Mm-hmm. And they have more success doing that then even though they're dealing with people that have failed rehab, even though they're dealing with people that have literally run out of options, they have more success doing that than rehab. And it's because the brokenness is there and God is in it and he's piecing these guys back together because they humble themselves just like Hagar did.
1: What a glory story that is.
0: It's a beautiful, beautiful, difficult, yes, beautiful ministry. And I admire those those men and women that are in that program, um, but yeah, if, if anyone out there is is looking, it's Calvary House uh, in at, at Calvary Chapel Fort Lauderdale, an amazing program.
1: Um, Will you kindly leave that in the notes section for uh, yeah, the audience? Absolutely,
0: absolutely, yeah. it's a great resource out there, but. Um, Yeah, we hope you guys loved this story as much as we do. Yeah. It certainly holds a very special uh, place in my heart. I I relate with all three of these characters. Uh, You can strip away gender and all sorts of things, and I I relate to all three of them. I sit there and I go, I've I've fled. Yep. I've spiritually not led. I've passed the buck. (laughs) i can sit there and and it's endless number of times in each of those categories yeah
1: because it's the human condition and that's what the bible features so well is to really show us the human condition and it hasn't changed in 35 years we are yeah
0: 3500 years the human condition hasn't changed and neither has God. that's right thank goodness amen for that yes because we can count on him
1: amen So,
0: uh, yeah. So guys, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. This is, uh, Genesis 16, the very first woman at the well. We hope you guys enjoyed it. We hope you learned a few things, uh, and we will see you in a couple of weeks with another episode. But for now, we will leave you with our song playing out. We'll see you next time, guys.
1: Thanks for listening to Detours. For more content, you can find us on Spirit FM Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Play, or on our website at detours.life. To view my writings or to contact me for public speaking engagements, visit my website at debmarsalisi.com.